Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, friends. Good to see each and every one of you on this first Sunday of the month. Today is the second Sunday of our current teaching series, Life in the Slow Lane, and I'm glad you joined us here and online this morning. My name is Dennis. I want to begin with a question, a little crowd participation today, just to make sure that you're ready to go. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Think about that for a minute. How many hours of sleep? Go ahead and turn towards your neighbor if you feel comfortable enough, or at least you'll meet a new friend. Tell them how many hours of sleep you got last night, if any. Anybody here feel well-rested? You feel great. <laughs> Anybody else here really tired? Okay, come on back now. Come on back. <laughs> no extra stories. Scientists tell us that one of the reasons for the popularity of energy drinks as well as coffee in our age today is a lack of sleep. Read a Newsweek article a few years ago that said that Americans are sleeping about seven hours per night on average, but that is an hour and a half less than our ancestors did a century ago. This article went on to say this lack of sleep is reflected in higher accidental rates, lower effectiveness at work, shorter attention spans, and I would like to say from general observation, being a preacher, sometimes falling asleep during sermons. <laughs> or maybe we need a better preacher, so prayer in the pews or seats means power in the pulpit, amen? So help me out, help me preacher, okay? Now seriously, this same news, now get this, get this. This article said a lack of sleep could elevate our blood pressure and bring on heart attacks and strokes. Since you just heard that, maybe some of you will be so worried you won't be sleeping much tonight. Well, God has a better way for us. It's called God's maintenance plan. God wants us to live healthy lives. And so today I want to take you on this Sunday drive, as we discuss a little bit about Sabbath. Now, next week, I'm just going to give you a little advertisement. We're going to do a lot of how-tos and then how, how to do this whole thing called work and rest. But let me just give you some background on the Sabbath, and, and we can apply the relevant word to our lives. So I want to take us to the Big Ten, to the Ten Commandments. Anybody remember where the Ten Commandments are initially found? Exodus chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, just go ahead and turn right now to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at the fourth commandment. It's very interesting when you study the Ten Commandments that the Ten Commandments do not begin with the thou shalt nots. They begin with the character of God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of bondage, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. God is naming the fact that he's the one who's redeemed them, the one that saved them, that delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. God has given them salvation. Therefore, God has claim on them. God has covenant with them. And so I like to entitle the Ten Commandments, God's way to the good life. 
God is our God, and we're in covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore, uh, we have a, a, a way to live. I'll preach on the Ten Commandments in a whole series in the future someday. Let's look at the fourth commandment. And as I'm turning there, let me quickly turn Exodus chapter 20. Maybe you're already ready to go. Verse 8 through 11. Notice this is the longest commandment of the ten. So maybe a testimony to the importance of this commandment. Here are these words from ancient scripture, still relevant for us today. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is within them, and he, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what I want to do is I want to just walk through kind of a little study here, at least three verses, as we check this out a little closer under the microscope. First of all, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The word Sabbath, a Hebrew word that means to stop, to cease. I like that, to knock it off. <laughs> and there's a little bit of to celebrate in that, but it mostly means to stop. So to remember the stop day. Holy is a word that means set apart or different. So seven day week, one of seven, you're to have a stop day. You're to have a cease day. You're, you're to unplug the treadmill for a while. So God is saying here, come on, folks. You need one day to be different, to be set apart. Think about your own schedule. Do you have one day that's totally set apart from the other days? Look at verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. If you have the word all in your translation, underline it. All means all. All? You mean maybe 90%? No. 95%? No. All 100% your work. So the scripture here in this commandment makes it clear that we're not to spend all of our life just twiddling our thumbs. We're not to spend all of our time doing nothing. This is not a call to be lazy. We were created to work. God is a worker and we are workers. The scripture says that we are God's workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so we're called to, to be workers, and so six days a week, we're to work. Laziness, sloth, is one of the deadly sins. But then look at verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, or the stop, the cease of the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work. So what this is simply saying is that if we're going to be healthy, God's the one who created us, right? Who's given us the breath to get out of bed, to even to come here, given us the bodies to, to move, the mind to think in order to drive. God is the one who gives us health, that knows everything about us. If God cares about the birds, the air, and even that bird on the screen, that awesome shot that Dan took, can you imagine how much more he knows you and cares for you? And if God 
knows the best. He's saying, there's one day a week you've got to put the clothes sign on the shop. You've got to stop. That's God's maintenance plan. So in the Jewish world, that was the seventh day, the Sabbath day that actually started at sundown on Friday and would end at sundown on Saturday. In the Christian church, they begin to not just meet as Jews still on the Sabbath, but they began to meet the first day of the week to break bread together and to worship as people of the resurrection. And over time, the Christian church, as it moved from the Jewish world into the Gentile world, began to simply continue to follow the Sabbath principle and began to worship on the first day of the week as the Christian Sabbath. We'll dig a little bit more into that later. It's a very interesting study. But the, but, but the concept here is that one out of seven, we are to stop, we are to cease. Now, how are you doing, friends? Most of us struggle with this. I heard a lot from you last week when we started talking about slowing down in the first teaching. When was the last time that you took your watch off for the entire day? That's tough, isn't it? And you didn't look at the clock. When was the last time that you drove under the speed limit on purpose? <laughs> Have you ever heard of comedian Dennis Miller? Not this Dennis Miller. By the way, for those who don't know me, my name is Dennis Miller. I had it all my life. <laughs> Every time that I go somewhere, some, when I say my name, they, they say something like, I see that you didn't make it on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> well, I had some notes from Dennis Miller here today, but I must have left them somewhere else. So just go ahead and put on the screen. This is, this is what he says. He says this. I think the most single frustrating thing about driving is that you spend your whole life stopping at red lights. And then at the end, there's a real cool irony. When you die, they let your funeral procession run right through all the red lights on your way to the cemetery. Because when you're dead, it's important to make good time. I'm dead, but I'm early, okay? <laughs> Maybe that's your life. We're always going we never stop. So let me get real practical here and just give you two basic concepts about the Sabbath today. Here's what we can learn about the Sabbath. First of all, we need to know the Sabbath is for our benefit. We were not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was given as a gift to us. That's the take home today. What I want you to know is this ancient Hebrew concept of Sabbath is still relevant to us as a gift for good health, for balance, for rhythm, to be the people that God created. We were created not to be human doings, but human beings. Do you hear me? God created us that way. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man, or for people, we'd say inclusively, not man, for the Sabbath. And so our whole focus in life is not to just worship the Sabbath as a God. Sabbath was given as a gift for each of us. And so on this topic over the years, People have swung between the extremes looking at the whole concept of keeping the Sabbath. 
especially in the Christian movement. And they've swung between the extremes of legalism on one side and liberalism on the other side. Instead of looking at a balanced approach of life that I'm encouraging you to do today. So let's look at each side. Some people are very legalistic when it comes to the Sabbath. Did you grow up in a home perhaps where you couldn't do anything on Sunday, the Christian Sabbath at all? Couldn't go anywhere other than church. Anybody live in that world that you want to confess? Okay, that's the world of the Pharisees. The Pharisees who were scribes of the first century who had a passion to upkeep the law in order not to break the law of the Sabbath created extra laws, additional human laws. They actually created 1,521 different laws, of course, not in the scriptures, but as part of their tradition in order to protect them from breaking the real law of the Sabbath. And some of these were extreme. Let me name a few. These are real. I'm not making this up. If you killed a flea on the Sabbath day, you would be breaking the Sabbath because that would take work. If you tied a knot, if you tied your shoe, if you traveled more than 750 yards, you'd be working and you'd be breaking the Sabbath. So if you came in from the main road of 25A into our long driveway, all of you today, according to the Pharisees, you worked and you broke the Sabbath. A woman could not look at her reflection or into a mirror on the Sabbath day because she might possibly see a gray hair and want to pluck it out, and that would be breaking the Sabbath. Again, I'm not making this up. Now, of course, we don't need to worry about that anymore but with so many women and men being chemically dependent up here. But in the Bible days, that was an issue. Here's one totally extreme. I read about one rabbi from the first century. He would not eat an egg that was laid by a hen on the Sabbath day because that hen would have been working in laying that egg. Now, it seems to me it would have been a lot more work for that hen to hold it in <laughs> than it would to lay that egg. That's the extreme. How are we doing today? Anybody live in the world of legalism? Does anybody live in this world today? Oh, you better believe it. I grew up in a world like this. Heard about a pastor, young pastor, right out of seminary, super excited to share Jesus with his congregation. After a dynamic moving Sunday morning, he was out in front of the parsonage cutting the church grass. You know what a parsonage is? We don't have one in our church, but it's a church house the pastor lives in, a manse, so to speak. Now, are, is it possible to cut grass? Are you allowed to cut grass on Sunday, folks? Of course, my wife thinks so, but other Christians don't think so, right? I'm glad that she thinks so, and I don't think so, so she can do all that work this afternoon. <laughs> I've got my religious convictions today. So, so he was out cutting the grass. One of the longtime members rode by, and she was just extra grumpy. She said, it's the grass, preacher, that you're cutting, and this is the Sabbath. Don't you know better? Shame on you 
This is the Lord's day and you're cutting the grass on the Sabbath day. Shame, 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 shame. Now, trying to justify himself, he said, well, in Matthew chapter 12, the disciples picked corn, picked grain on the Sabbath day and Jesus knew about it and Jesus was okay with it. And she looked at him and said, two wrongs don't make a right. Years ago, when my wife, Rachel, was a student at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, she was part of a church, and her pastor was Wayne Smith. Wayne Smith, at the time, was about 50, 52, 53. He was about my age, and he'd been preaching for 30 years. He tells the time that his mother came to visit him in Lexington. She lived in another town that she was in, and they were having Sunday night services, and so they had a great service. So on the way home, he's driving to his house, taking his mother home, and he pulled his car into Baskin-Robbins in Lexington, and she looked at him and said, son, even at 50 years old, he was son, son, when did we start getting ice cream on the Sabbath day? Is that what we do now here in liberal Lexington? He said, we don't do that, mother. And he pulled his car back out of the parking lot and he took her home. And then he said, when I got her to bed and she fell asleep, I got back in my car and went out and got my ice cream. (laughs) He said, God has plenty of grace and my mom has none. (laughs) So let me just say, friends, as your pastor, if it's your conviction that you do nothing on Sunday, If you do nothing on the Christian Sabbath day but worship, first of all, I'm glad that you worship. But if that's your conviction, and if you desire to bring the blue laws back, now everybody under 60 may not know what those are. (laughs) Ask someone a little older and they'll tell you. If that's your conviction, that's fine. But don't make everyone around you miserable about it. Because Jesus Christ came to set us free from all these human extra laws and regulations that we put on ourselves. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed, my friends. And so there are those who swing all the way to the letter of the law, to legalism like the Pharisees. But I want to be honest with you. I don't think that's our number one concern here at Gingsburg. I don't think that's our number one problem in America about legalism. That's not really our tradition. That's not really who we are. Our our struggle is the opposite end of the spectrum. It's liberalism. It's anything goes. I want to take you to a scripture right here, if you'll put it on the screen, from 1 Peter chapter 2. Would you read this scripture with me so I don't feel all alone up here, and I know you haven't fallen asleep in church yet. Let's read it together. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. And so we're free in Jesus, amen? But we're not free to sin. We're not free to miss the mark. We're not free to do our own thing. If we're in this covenant, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of Israel. Therefore, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I've got claim on you. Yes, you're free, but not free to live evil. You're free to serve the Lord. Is anybody in the house today? And so that leads us to the second principle. 
we're commanded to always observe the Sabbath principle, the meaning behind the words, God's heart, that we have a seven-day week. We are not to always be a green light. The surest way not to give 100% is to try to give it all the time. Even in exercise, we're working out, we're lifting weights. You, you, you can't tell, but you know, I've got a lot of muscles under here. Just kidding. <laughs> I need to do more of it. But if I did work out, I would also need not just to be at work, but I also need to be at rest. Because anyone in fitness knows it's in the rest that you rebuild, that you recoup, that you refresh. Deuteronomy chapter 31, on the seventh day, God stopped, remember this from last week, and he was refreshed. God never sleeps nor slumbers, but that refreshing is much more than physical refreshing, but it's also just in general for us, many other areas here. So designate one day out of the week for rest and worship. Some of us are workaholics, and you need to know It's not a badge of honor, it's a sin, meaning a sin means miss the mark of God's will, miss the mark of God. Oh, you may be taking a day off, but you're you're at work. I mean, you're grading papers, you're checking email, you're arranging schedule for the next day. You never really break. And I want to say that if you don't break the addiction of workaholism, someday it's going to break you. It may show up in many different forms. You say, well, I'm doing okay. You don't understand. Well, life is bigger than just the present moment. You may be thinking, I'm doing okay, but you don't know your daughter. You don't have a relationship fully with your adult son. How's your marriage doing these days? You might be climbing up the corporate ladder, but life consists of much more. And so, there's that rhythm. I was aware of a pastor a while back, and I shared this in the first service, where this pastor and his church, you know, he was hitting all the marks, getting all the denominational kudos, so to speak. Church seemed to be going okay. The board was pretty happy. But his relational world, not so hot. His kid said later, And this kid, of course, was a PK. You ever heard of a PK? Preacher's kid. Said, over time, I resented the church because the church was my father's mistress. The church always came before the family. He says, I want nothing to do with the church today. How's your relational world? How's your marriage? How's your your family life? God has given us, for our benefit, a book a blessing in Sabbath. What's the most prosperous fast food restaurant in the United States currently per location? Maybe not as a whole, but per location. Do you know what it is? It's Chick-fil-A. Whether you like Chick-fil-A or not, I mean, you can just tell by going to a Chick-fil-A that uh, drive throughs always packed. In fact, down in Vandalia at Miller Lane, down in Butler Township, of course, it's closed now, all the time, because they're putting in a bigger drive through it, it doesn't stop. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that I'm, I'm a Chick-fil-A fan myself. Um, and when I go to the airport or perhaps after church sometimes, I have to admit, I don't like the fact that they're not open on Sunday. 
I don't like it. If I got to work on Sunday, they got to work on Sunday. But the truth is that they made a decision that they were going to have a stop day, the original owners. They were going to have a, a day of rest. And I just recently read in 2020, at least, that's the latest I could get this information, that they were the most profitable fast food restaurant per location in the United States, making more in six days than McDonald's, Subway, Taco Bell, and Burger King per location make in seven days. I think there's a secret there that God has given us a gift to each of us. So what are we to do as we kind of wrap things up and get ready for communion? We are to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It brings it down to then what do we do on the Sabbath day? What do we do on our stop day? Then for those who work on the first day of the week, like church workers or first responders or um, those in the medical field, they need to find another day, a, a, a cease day, a stop day. We're called to remember. We're called to remember who God is. The question is, is the Sabbath day a holy day or simply a holiday for you? Is the Sabbath more this a day that we gather and drink pop or drink beer and watch the Bethlehem Bears play the Jerusalem Jaguars? Or is there something greater than that? Yes, we are to remember. We are to remember who God... Today, you're going to have a moment to come forward on your own free will to remember on the night in which Jesus gave himself up, he took bread and said, do this in remembrance of me. After the first service, we were talking and one of the persons says, but there's so many other things scheduled that just get in the way too bad about this world. That's the world in which we live. And I'm not naive. I know that we live in a world where we have all these competing voices. Do we go with the flow or do we follow Jesus? Do we go with everything that's scheduled? But let's just be frank. I want to tell the truth and shame the devil, okay? No bad people in this room. We'll blame it all on the devil here. But let me just say this. We live in a world where not everybody wants to follow the Ten Commandments. We live in a world where it is a holiday for, for many people. But we are people of our own free will. We can decide. Are we going to be manipulated by the culture? Or are we going to say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Where are the fathers in Miami County? Now I got you awake. Where are the mothers who will take a stand for once and say, I get what the world does. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve Jesus. And one of the, yeah, and one of the principles is that in one of those days, this old heart of mine, if it's always on the go, it doesn't have a, a go, a pump, and then rest, it's going to fall apart. But we need this balance in our life. And I've been doing this for a long time. Wayne Smith said 30 years. I'm at, I'm at year 32 <laughs> preaching as a pastor. And I've met with a lot of people at the end of their life. You know, I've never had someone in those sacred moments of hospice say to me, Pastor Dennis, I've blown it. I wish I would have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have spent more time climbing up the corporate ladder. I wish I just would have got one more toy back in 1978. 
But once in a while, you'll have people who'll say, I wish I would have spent more time with my son. I wish I would have spent more time with my daughter. I wish I would have prayed more. And isn't it good that God is so loving and forgiving and makes all things new? But I don't want to get to the end of my life with a woulda, coulda, shouldas. Do you? How often we say, I wasn't going to go to worship today, but when I, I'm glad I did. God just meets us here. Remember the Sabbath day. Amen? To keep it holy. Friends, it's God's maintenance plan. It's a gift for each of us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the gift that you've given to us in the Sabbath. We live in an uncaring world, and some of us have employers that would like to use us up and spit us out. A lot of us work at companies that just don't care about our personal lives, our family lives, our spiritual lives. And if they could grind out seven days of labor, they would. But you don't have that spirit. You're concerned about each of us. That you've commanded the whole planet to take every seventh day completely off, to breathe, to watch, to listen to your still small voice. We as your people want to say thank you, Lord, for your great concern and well-being for us. Today we unplug the treadmill just for a moment and rest in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And so in the night at which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave it to disciples. He blessed and broke the bread. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, the new covenant of my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink and remember me. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this great family here, your people who love you. We turn from everything that we know is wrong. We thank you for your word that says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse your church by the power of the cross. And we pray, Lord, that you will make uh, this bread and this juice to be in a very powerful spiritual way, the body and the blood of Christ that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood and through your spirit, the Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other. Unite us at Gingsburg and unite us as your people around your table for we come today. Fill us with your spirit today in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.